right, good stuff. How are we doing? Y'all good? Front row's good. <clears throat> awesome. Hey, so they're letting the drummer talk today. Um, spring break, so yeah, uh, people, people missing, so I had to bring in the JV team, uh, <laughs> JV drummer, and uh, uh, so pulling double duty. If you guys will give me a few minutes, I do have to direct traffic on the way out, too. Um, I got to get suit vested up, um, so if y'all can just talk amongst yourselves. Um, that's just how today is going to go. Uh, so... Let's see here. Other thing is, um, so I'm Jono. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. So it's good to meet you. If today's your first day, uh, come back next week and um, meet, meet Ken, our, our pastor. Uh, I usually work with the teenagers and, and the kiddos. Um, so today will be a little different, um, but it's going to be good. Uh, the other thing is, if we're Facebook friends, I'm sorry. Um, I need to apologize for the past couple weeks. The, po- the pollen has been messing with me. So there's been a lot of Sudafed in my system. And, um, man, uh, so I've been a little, a little um, sassy uh, on, on social media, so I like to, a lot. So, uh, it is amazing I haven't had to issue any apologies. So, um, but if we're not Facebook friends, you send me a friend request and join in on, on the magic. Um, so we're, we're in part two this week of a series called Better Together, and we're talking about, uh, we launched this last week about how uh, look, you know, we, we've, we've got issues, and, and maybe you're, you're new to church or whatever. Maybe you've been in church forever, and you had a, tr- a bad church experience. But we all come together, and, and the way God designed it, the way God set this up is that, that we are better together, that you're not designed to be out there on your own. You're not designed to be alone. That you, we are better together, and we're going we're gonna to explore that a little bit over the next few weeks. But today, I, I, we're, we're going to talk about something in particular I think that um, a, a lot of us will resonate with. But first, I want to say that, that you know, uh, there are some things that are really, really good together, okay? And for instance, the, the things that are like the, the best two things I can think of that are really good together, in, in my opinion, would be chocolate and peanut butter. Is anybody with me? In fact, in fact, I brought some. I was just going to throw them out to you guys. So I, I'm not a very good thrower. Um, I'm not a very good thrower at all. I'm not even going to attempt to throw it to the back because the velocity it would take to get back there would, would outweigh my aim, and I will, I will injure somebody because it'll hit the ceiling. It'll, it'll be bad. Um, I don't know where I was throwing that. Um, Anybody not like peanut butter and chocolate together? Um, really? How long have you worshipped the devil? Um, what? <laughs> that is, were you like Taliban or something? Is, who doesn't like chocolate and peanut? Unless you have a peanut allergy, there's no excuse for not liking peanut butter and chocolate. So, um, so stuff, stuff comes together and it's really good. Like chocolate and peanut butter, man, that's better together. I have... No off switch when it comes to, to Reese's eggs uh, for, for uh, uh, what was the last holiday we just had? Easter, yeah. For Easter, you guys are going to have to help me out a lot today. Um, that's just how I am. Um, for Easter, I got, I got a pound, uh, two half-pound Reese's cups, okay? They are amazing. You should do that sometime. And I sat in the bed with Netflix, and I, when, you, I can't stop. I had to eat the entire pound. I ate a pound of Reese's cups. And, um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's awesome. I just couldn't stop. I kept trying to stop, and then I just needed to do it. So chocolate and peanut butter, they come together, and they are very good. But then other things come together, and, and they're kind of messy. Some things that when you join them together, 
Uh, like my kids like me to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I hate jelly on peanut butter. It's nasty. Um, but uh, if you like it, that's fine. But um, you can be wrong. But my kids like peanut butter. Like jelly is just, it's just, it's just messy. When, when peanut butter and jelly comes together, it's not as beautiful as peanut butter and chocolate. It's, it's, just, a big, it's just a big mess. And you get jelly in the peanut butter jar, and, and that angers me. And, and so it's just, it's just a big problem. Uh, and, and, and then on a more serious note, when things come together and get kind of messy, I would say that would be people. When you, when you get a group of people together, it's, it's messy because we all bring some mess to the table, okay? And, and a lot of us don't like mess. A lot of us don't like messy. And the, when you get together with the church, when you, I mean, we get together with each other, we're, 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 messy, we're messy people. We're messy <laughs> I mean, we, we, you know, we, we leave trash around, but we're also messy when it comes to life. We've just got a bunch of messes, and um, a lot of us don't like messy, or we're uncomfortable with messy, or we're awkward with messy. And good news, God is okay with messy. Uh, otherwise, we, we would be hopeless because we're all a mess. And I have this, I have this habit have this habit, and maybe you do this too, or maybe I'm about to sell myself out for being some kind of freak. But when I'm driving down the road, I, I do this thing where like people near, next to me, and, and I'll just get in these things where I'm thinking about, I wonder what their life's like. I wonder what their life's like. I wonder what their life's like. I wonder what his life is like. I wonder what her life is like. I wonder, all these, all, that all that, does anybody else do that? Okay, there's a couple. If y'all will pray for us. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, but I do that, and I think about all their lives and what, what, what drama they've got going on and what hurts they're carrying, and if they've got money or if they don't, you know, or they've just got really good credit for that car. I just think about all, I think about all those things, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure I'm always wrong about these people. And that, I'm, that's actually, now that I think of it, that's a very judgmental thing to do, but it's just me. It's who I am. Um, and, um, but the thing that I am right about is that every one of them has got a mess. Everyone, everybody that I pass, every, no matter what kind of car, how junky their car is, how nice their car is, how clean their car is, how dirty their car is, how good they look, how bad they look, whatever, that they've got a mess. There's a mess somewhere in their life. Or there was a mess, or they've got a mess, or they're going into a mess, or they're carrying some mess, they're carrying some baggage, and there is something messy about them. There's stuff that's messy about me. In fact, I decided that to, to get us started, I would make a list of the things that are messy about me. So I'll go ahead and read those to you. Um, take notes. Um, every January, I start a Bible reading plan. And by April, right now, I'm about 184 chapters behind. Um, <laughs> so yeah, sue me. Um, uh, I hate Cool Whip. You don't have to hate it, but I can hate it. Um, uh, I get easily bored during conversations. I apologize. I apologize. I try. I really try. But I, I don't do small talk real well. I'm not good at wedding receptions. Um, uh, I'm very frustrated by slow. I don't like slow eaters. Um, I mean, I like them because I'm married to one. I love them. Um, but I have a hard time. I have a hard time with slow eaters, slow walkers. Slow walkers in the Walmart parking lot when I'm trying to park. You walk slow in front of my car like I'm not even there? It's, it's not good. It's slow service. I don't, I don't do well with that. Uh, I procrastinate. Anybody else procrastinate? I am a terrible, terrible procrastinator. I tell myself that I work really good under pressure, somewhat true, but I think it's an excuse for being a procrastinator. Uh, don't even think about feeding me banana pudding, Italian food, pizza, or Mexican food, okay? That's, it's nasty. Um, 
I don't like pizza. I don't like pizza. Sorry. I'm a youth pastor. I've had it like my whole life. I'm, I'm sick of it. Um, <laughs> I'm addicted to Lowry season salt, though. Um, I hear it's good for your heart health. Um, I have a slow reaction time, so I don't play games where I need uh, a good reaction time. For instance, sports. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't play those things. Um, I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of cats um, because they're demonic. Uh, and downtown Atlanta, any time of the day. Um, I'm mechanically challenged. I can't fix things. I don't try. If I try to fix something, I mess it up, have to pay somebody else who knows what they're doing to come fix stuff. So I, I stopped that a few years ago. Uh, I don't get Florida. I don't understand Florida. My family likes Florida. Uh, I, I don't understand why anybody would want to live in an oven. Um, and is, is there something about sweating all day that I'm missing? That doesn't, I don't like that place. Um, I'm not one of these people who are always up. I'm not always up. I don't have a good poker face. If, if, I'm, if I'm in a mood, it, it shows. Um, okay, here's one that my wife makes fun of me. I need my volume on even numbers. Okay, I need my volume on, it is not okay to have the radio volume on 19. Anybody with me? OCD? I'll share our pills. <laughs> um, I can't handle it. Cannot handle it. And I'm raising my children to, to understand. Heather will put it on 19. I'm like, come on, 20. Um, I'm, I can handle 25. I can handle 15 and 25. I can handle increments of five. I prefer nice, even numbers. Um, and the last one, the last one that will just flip me out is when my family uh, does this. <laughs> All the time. I'm like, you were saying you didn't have time, you didn't have the four seconds that it takes to switch that thing out? Like you were that busy, you had to get out of there that fast? That angers me. That angers me. Okay. All right, so, so I messed up. Now, those are some goofy messes, but I also have some other baggage that, that would be more suitable for maybe a small group or, or a men's group and stuff. And I think if we all got in, in, in a group, we would have stuff that we could share. And you could share, you could make a big, long list of these kinds of idiosyncrasies that you have uh, in your life. And, and I, if you actually do, I'd like to read it. You know, send, send them in to um, weird at, at journeyloganville.com. But um, we've also got some stuff that, that we, we carry in here that, that's kind of baggage, and I don't tell you that we're all messed up so that we walk out of here feeling guilty or feeling bad about ourselves, but I, I want you to know, I want to say that we are messed up so that you stop just feeling like something is wrong with you. Don't, don't live like feeling like something is wrong with you, but you've got a heavenly father who has rescued you out of this messiness and is cleaning you up. And when I realize how messy I am, and, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down, that when we realize our messiness, when we realize our own messiness, that um, when we realize our messiness, not messages, we are more gracious to people who are messy like us. When I realize how messy I am, I show a lot more grace to pe other people when they their messes are exposed. Are you with me? If I can remember, if I can keep out in front of me, John, you know, you don't have it all together. You're not perfect. Then I can, I can show a little bit more grace to people who have other, who have messes because I mean, forgiven people forgive people. People who've been forgiven 
need to forgive people. And so we've all got some issues, and sometimes we just don't see them. But Jesus comes into our life, and, and he covers us. And with his death on the cross, he, he covers my messes, and he rescues me. And if, I, if I'm in a relationship with him, and I know him, and I've accepted him, he's in this process of cleaning me up. He's in this process of sanctifying me. That I'm, I'm in this process of sanctification where he comes in, and he is working on my heart and my mind and my soul, and he's working in such a way to restore me to his intended, his original intended purpose for me. And so through daily surrender, through spending time with him, through being in alignment with him and talking to him and listening to him and letting my relationship be more than Wednesday and Sunday and asking him for stuff. When I get close to my heavenly father, he sanctifies me. He cleans me up. I don't have to try to clean up myself. I do have a role in it, but my main role is to surrender to him and ask me what he wants to do and to be obedient to what he says to do, he begins to clean me up and the messes begin to clean. He heals my issues. And some of us, man, some of us have got a lot more issues. Some of us have had things happen to us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some of us have had things happen to us, and life isn't fair, and we look around, and, it, and, and for some of us, it looks like we've got the problem fairy, and then you look at other people, and it's like their life is perfect. They've, it seems like they've got plenty of money in the bank. They don't have any problems. They don't have any acne. They don't have any, you know, they've got this beautiful head of hair um, that, you know, they're, they're athletic. They can, they can sing. You know, it's like, man, you've you got a great voice. You're athletic. Could you just be ugly? You know, why, why, why is everything great about you? And then, and then you know, you look at... You look at yourself, and you're, you're bald, you're pale, and you got glasses, you know, you're like a walking recessive gene, and, and it's just like, it's just like, man, gosh, can't there, what, what's, what's the deal? Can't they have a whippy voice or something? But God's okay with my messiness, God loves me, because he's a good, good father. And, and sometimes as believers, we kind of get into this habit of thinking that we have to perform for him because everywhere else in our life, if I want to raise, I've got to perform in my job. If I want good grades, I've got to perform well at school. If I want to make a team, I've got to perform well for that. And so we kind of translate, and, and some of us with our parents, some of us with our parents, it, we had to perform. And, and I, I had kind of a scenario in growing up with, with my parents. If I wanted some uh, affection or attention, there had to be a performance. It didn't just... It didn't just come unless there was some performance. And so sometimes we, we, we transpose that onto our Heavenly Father and think that we've got to perform for Him. But the truth is, is that He is a good, good Father. And, and He loves us not because we're good and because we don't have any messes. He loves us because He's good. You with me? That's really good news. He doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us because He's good. And he's, what's, he's what unites us. Look at Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 11 through, uh, we'll read a few verses here. From Troas, this is, this is, um, this is Paul talking, and he, or, this is Paul's story, and, and he is planning churches. He's out strengthening the church. And it says, from Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. I think that's how you pronounce it. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis. In verse 12, it says, from there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down, and we began to speak to the women who had gathered there. 
And one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer of purple cloth. Okay, dealer of purple cloth, purple cloth being expensive. She was a dealer of it. She was fairly wealthy businesswoman. Imagine her, you know, pantsuit and everything, okay? Uh, but she was, a wor- she was a worshiper of God. So she was wealthy, upper, upper middle class, uh, maybe upper class, and she was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, okay? And so she gets saved, and in the next verse, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home and said, if you consider me a believer of the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So Jesus, I mean, so Jesus enters her heart, and, and she, these people are united, and she, a wealthy woman, invites these homeless missionaries in to come hang out in her house. And if you go on down to verse 16 through 18, you've got, uh, it, it, he continues, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. And she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. So she had been kidnapped. She had been taken into slavery. She's got this demonic spirit. She's able to tell the future. And so they're making money off her. And so she followed, the Paul, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. And then in verse 18, she kept us up for many days. And finally, Paul became so annoyed, like, would you shut your mouth? Uh, that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. And so now you've got Lydia, this upper-class lady dealing purple cloth. She's in, in the church in Philippi. And now you've got this other slave girl who has been, she had just had a demon exercise out of her, and now she is part of the church. And then those guys didn't like it very much that she, um, that, that Paul had um, cast the demon out. That was not good for business. So they had Paul thrown in jail, and now he's guarded. He is guarded by uh, this. He's guarded by a centurion, and he, he's in jail, and he's singing hymns, and he's praying for deliverance. And then there's an earthquake, and the centurion is thinking, "Great, these guys, these prisoners. Paul is escaping, and I might as well go ahead and kill myself." And just as he is about to do that, he realizes that you know, Paul shouts out that he's still there. So Paul didn't run. And so now this guy, this centurion, this blue-collar worker, this middle-class guy comes upon Paul and says, Hey, what do I need to do to be saved? What do I need to do? So Paul shares his faith with him, and he gets saved. And so now you've got, you've got this blue-collar worker, this centurion, this, this, this guard. He's in the church. Now you've got this girl who was a slave who had had this rough life who had been abused, and now she's in the church. And then you have Lydia, who was this wealthy woman in her pantsuit, and, and, and she is saved. And so all these people are in the church, and these messy people are united by Jesus. You ought to write that down. The messy people are united by Jesus. And just like these examples that we see in Acts chapter 16, all these people, they came together. They would have never hung out. They would have never met each other had it not been for the church, had it not been because they are better together, had it not been for coming together as the church, this slave girl, this, this centurion, this businesswoman, they would have never come together. And you guys are the same way. I mean, we, we look around, you guys, I mean, you're, you're into different 
stuff. You're into different music. You got different jobs. You got different things going on. You got different amounts of kids. You got no kids. You got five kids. You got a lot of money. You got little money. Whatever. We're, we're across the spectrum here. We, we're bringing all kinds of different things to the table. But Jesus unites us. And some of us are we're scared to really man, to really be open and honest with each other, to really get to know each other, because, because a lot of us aren't just bringing um, the fact that we're a little OCD with our music volume in here with us. A lot of us are bringing some, some other heavier-duty baggage in here that we're hoping that no one finds out. And the church has, has stopped a lot of churches. And the reason why some of you have left other churches, the reasons why some of you don't really enjoy coming to church, period, the reason that some of you have never gone to church before is because you were scared of the judgment that would come because of whatever messy that you brought in here with you today because some of our mess is, is addiction. Some of our mess is, is a criminal record. Some of our mess is stuff in our past that we pray that nobody ever finds out about. Some of our mess some big, big struggles. And... Um, We've forgotten that the church should be a place where it's okay not to be okay. That we've got to be a place, we've got to be a group of people where it's okay to not be okay. And we don't have to put a mask on, we don't have to fake it. So what unites us is that we are all very messed up people, broken before a perfect God. But we were rescued and given new life in Christ. If you're taking notes, you might write that down. What unites us is that we were all very messed up people. We're broken before a perfect God, but we were rescued and given new life in Christ. And here's the cool thing about the Bible. Is that the Bible does not edit people's lives out, man. There are still blemishes. Um, if you grew up in church, man, you saw the flannel graph of Noah. Some of the parts of Noah, Noah's story didn't make it onto the flannel graph, like when he got drunk and got naked uh, and, and just passes out drunk and naked in front of everybody, okay? And you don't see that on the flannel graph in Sunday school when you were growing up, but it happened. It's in there. You've got all these people with issues in the Bible, and I, I love that about the Bible because it reminds me that my issues and um, my family's issues, I mean, that, that, that God is okay and he's cleaning us up. My daughter, Alana, when she was in preschool, I'll never forget it because she came home and this was our first child in school and she had to do a family tree. And this was her first little project in school ever. And she had to do a family tree. And I remember as we're making uh, my side of the family tree, I remember being like, good grief. Uh, I started thinking about everybody's issues and all their stuff and who had been locked up and who, uh, you know, all this stuff, all these problems. And um, it was kind of embarrassing. If you look at Jesus' family tree, um, Matthew chapter 1. You ought to turn there. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 1. We're not going to read the whole thing. Uh, I, when, when I was a kid, I remember trying, um, I was about 11 or 12, trying to read the Bible. And so my grandma, um, I, I just couldn't do it. I had a King James Bible, couldn't push through it. And um, my grandma bought me a um, uh, Bible on tape, read, narrated, or read by James Earl Jones, Darth Vader. And so I was like, oh, well, this is, this is good. I can do this. I can do this. And then I, she's like, hey, start in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1, 
full of a million begats. So-and-so had begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, and, and I made it halfway through chapter one. Um, this chapter one, man, God, God had promised. God had promised that he was going to bring the Messiah, that he was going to, that he was going to bring the Messiah through um, Abraham and that this Messiah would be an heir to the throne of David. But when you read chapter one, man, it's, it's, it reads like the National Enquirer. Dude, it's, it's messed up. You got Abraham in verse 2. You got Abraham, who's a, who's a good guy, man, like Hall of Faith kind of guy, but he also lied to save his neck. If you read in, in Genesis chapter 12, um, Abraham's in his, him and his wife are in their 70s, and he's scared because he, he goes there. He's going to a group of people, and he, and he tells his wife, Sarah, he's like, look, you're so hot, you're so good looking, that they're going to see you and they're going to think that something's going on. So I need you to lie and say that you're my sister so they don't try to take all my money and stuff because they're gonna, basically going to look at us and say, there's no way that, he, that she, good looking, married him. He must have a ton of money or something. And I get how he feels because um, <laughs> um, my wife's very pretty and we're, we're that couple walks in, they're like, how did she, how, why'd she marry me? What's going on there? What you don't know is that um, um, if you ever met any youth pastors, a lot of my youth pastor friends, like all their wives, a lot of youth pastors have really pretty wives. And, and what you don't know is that God did this on purpose because he knew that youth pastors would be broke and poor. So he gave us all attractive wives to kind of compensate um, <laughs> for not having any money. So Abraham tells his wife Sarah to lie. Then Abraham's grandson, same, same verse, uh, Jacob. Jacob cheated his brother, cheated his brother out of his uh, inheritance, lied to his dad, swindled his uncle. You go down to verse 3, you got Judah in there. Judah, man, it's like a soap opera. He hires a prostitute and then finds out that the prostitute was actually his daughter-in-law. And so then he tried to have her burned to death, Genesis chapter 38. Then you skip on down to Matthew 1, chapter 5, you got Rahab, who was, in fact, a prostitute. And it's kind of weird that it, it, typically you didn't include women in a Jewish um, family tree. And you definitely didn't include non-Jewish sinful women like prostitutes, like Rahab. But she's included in there. And then you go down to verse 6, you got Bathsheba, who liked to bathe in questionable places. And uh, because you read about her in 2 Samuel 11 because King David is watching her bathe in, a, in questionable places and they end up having an affair and David has her husband killed. Go down to verse 10. You got Ammon, who uh, he worshipped idols. You got Manasseh in there, who in 2 Kings chapter 21, man, he sacrificed his own son. To, to a fake pagan god, a false god. So half of these guys were crooks. Half of these guys were embezzlers. Most of them worshipped an idol or two. And so why did God use these people? God could have just dropped baby Jesus, you know, by a stork at, at the doorstep of Mary and Joseph. God could have dropped baby Jesus any way that he wanted to. But instead, he used these people that read like the National Enquirer, because he wants you to know, he, he wants me to know, he wants us to know that God takes messy people 
and accomplishes what he wants to accomplish. That God can still use messy people. God can use messed up me. God can use messed up you. And messed up you and messed up me, we're better together. And I haven't disqualified myself from being used. God wanted you to know that he can use people who are messy. Because if you skip down to the end of chapter 1, the last name on the list is Jesus of Nazareth. That after all these messy people, we end up with our Savior. That God used, and in his grace, in his graciousness, he worked around and through the sin to get rid of my sin, to get rid of your sin, and he used messy people to bring about salvation, to bring Jesus. And so some of you guys, some of us in here, you haven't really started a relationship with Jesus. And so maybe today is the day that you need to do that. You need to meet Jesus. Others of us, man, we're stumbling. We know Jesus, but we've forgotten that the church is a place where it's okay to not be okay. And so we're trying to clean ourselves up. We're trying to fake it, and we're faking it so much that we're making ourselves miserable and that it, it's uncomfortable. We come around, we're, we're, we're faking it sometimes, and we're stumbling so much, and we're covering up our mess so much. And then we come in here, and everybody's singing the songs. They've got their hands in the air, and I'm looking around like, man, I, why, I don't feel like raising my hand. I don't feel like singing this song, these, these songs because they're, they're not real to me because I, I'm... I'm, I'm stumbling right now, and I need God to fix this. And it's okay. God uses messy people all the time, and he's the one who cleans you up. But maybe you just need to surrender. You need to find somebody you trust that loves you. Talk to them. Maybe you need to, you need to get a counselor, man. Go, go to a counselor. I love counselors. I go to counselors even when I don't need to, just because it's fun. And it's somebody to talk to. I've got, I've got one of my favorites. I've got a stack of his business cards right backstage, and I would love to pass them out. He's the best. Go to a counselor, man. It's good. There's nothing wrong with going to a counselor. It's okay to not be okay. God uses messy people all the time, man. Some of you are in a good spot right now. Some of you are in a good spot. Just don't forget that you were messy once. Be gracious to those of us who are still kind of messy. Don't convince yourself that you're better on your own. Don't forget, don't, don't forget that you need each other. Don't forget that you're better together. Don't, don't convince yourself that, you know what, yeah, it's, I, 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 I kind of got too many problems. I don't really need this. I'll, I'll show up every once in a while, but I, I don't really need a small group. I don't need community. I don't need to be. It, it's, it's really no big deal. I'm good on my own. You were not designed to, do your, to, to live life alone. You were not designed to be alone. You're, you're not going to grow in the way that God wants you to grow without each other. Now, you can grow some. God can work. God's Holy Spirit is going to grow you, but you're not going to grow to the full maturity without other believers investing in you and iron sharpening iron. It's just not going to work like it's supposed to. So, let me finish up here. What are we going to do? And we've got to be the place where it's okay to not 
be okay. And I think we're there. I think, that's, I think that's one of the things that I love about Journey, and I think that's one of the things that most of you love about Journey, is that you're coming in here, and I look, and I look at conversations, and, and there's excitement. There's just so not drama here. And if you grew up in church or you came from another church, you probably came from some church drama, and it's nice to come somewhere where it's just, man, we're just loving Jesus, and, and we're serving, and it's good, and it's okay. To not be okay. And I think, um, I think that we got that going on here. But people are going to find out about it. And then more and more messy people are going to start showing up. So are you okay with that? You got to be. You got to be. And you got to be okay with other kinds of messy. Like I'm okay with my messy. Like I'm, I'm good with... You know, I, I've got a lot of dad issues. I didn't have a close dad, and, and I can handle that. Like, man, I can talk all day to people who weren't close to their dad, who had issues with their dad. But somebody comes in with, with a different type of messy that I don't understand or makes me uncomfortable, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? You can't just be okay with your kind of messy. You got to know that they're messy and you're messy, that we all come together and we're better together and God is going to use that to change Loganville, to change Walton County, to change your school, to change your workplace, to change your family, to change your family tree. God uses messy, messed up people like me and like you and he changes lives. He does, he, he ushers in his kingdom. He does amazing things through messy people. And you guys all bring a mess that God is so ready to use. You all bring a mess to the table. You all bring some baggage to the table that God is so ready to use. I, I, I didn't have a dad who, I, I look, I, I see people posting on Facebook about their dad, and I went fishing with my dad, or me and my, I've got a friend who, him and his dad, they're like rebuilding a farmhouse, and man, I'm like, dude, that is so awesome. I just didn't have that. I didn't have a dad who, who invested in me, who spent time. I didn't grow up with that. That just wasn't, it just wasn't given to me. And um, time after time after time, I've sat down with teenagers uh, and, and adults who don't have a close dad, and I can sit down and I can say, hey, you know what? I'm not lying when I say I know how you feel to not have a close relationship with your dad. I can look them in the eyes and I can say, I know what it feels like. I know how bad it stinks to not have a dad that you're close to. And I can say that without lying. And some of you have these things that there's someone in here who needs to be ministered to. They've got the same issue as you, and they need someone who understands. They need someone who can say they know what they're, you're, they're going through without lying to them. They need someone to love them and pray for them and pour into them. And it's you, because God uses messy people. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful that you use messy people. Because if you didn't, I wouldn't have a chance. And there are things that you want to do with this group of people, messes and all. There are things that you want to do in, in our families, in our, in our community, with this group of messy people. Help us to remember that, that, that journey, at Journey, it's okay to not be okay because you're going to clean us up. If we get closer, the closer we get to you, the, the more you clean us up. And our job is to pursue you. Not perform for you. Not try to make you love us more by behaving better. 
Our role is to pursue you. Help us to always remember that. Help us to pursue you wholeheartedly. And remember that you love us because you're good, not because we're good. God, thank you for using messy people. Amen.